I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! Welcome to Sports on a Sunday Morning. America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Thought I might need a boat to get down here. Is there any flooding going on, Brian? Sorry, I missed that part. No, no, uh, nothing right now anyway. Nothing too much at all. Yeah, I I got pulled over for not wearing a life jacket. (laughs) I mean, I let the dog out today and the water was like up to my ankles, which is an issue in itself. I need better drainage (laughs) in my front yard. I'm like, what the heck is going on out here? Ground saturated? Wow. Yeah, it's something else. Um, I uh, I wanted to ask you that I saw, by the way, Mike Schultz is coming up here in about nine minutes, the Cardinals manager, which got me thinking of, did you see the Post-Dispatch uh, Greatest Rants yesterday? No. In the, <laughs> yeah, you got to check that out. I, I feel bad for my buddy Rob Fisher, like Jim Thomas, who I love Jim Thomas to mm-hmm. death, but he brings up the, the story of Mike Martz ripping into Fisher when he was at another radio station here in St. Louis. He works in Memphis now. Uh, because he asked him, you know, I saw him practice Marshall Falk and Trunk Candidate in the same backfield. Um, you know, is that something you're thinking about for the first game against the Eagles? He's like, are you kidding me? He's like, why don't you just give them our game plan? <laughs> why don't you tell them what we're doing? And I feel bad that that story got brought back up, but it was mm-hmm. so such in detail. It's almost like Jim had it on tape somewhere. He might. Probably did. Yes. Went back Trump and got the, it. yeah. Uh, and then Tony LaRussa you could just take your pick on that one. Mm-hmm. And there was one in there about McGuire. Derek wrote it because it was kind of a behind-the-scenes. ESPN was asking him about McGuire. This was in 05, and they were asking him about steroids and, all, and how Tony stormed off and slammed his fungo bat against the wall and all this stuff. I, there were so many Tony ones, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> uh, he had one where he got upset because the Post-Dispatch ran a story like kind of poking fun at the Cubs, and he said, it's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there was the one, actually the start of 2011, where someone asked him about the lack of offense, and he said, it's the first week of the season. Uh-huh. Remember that one? Yep. Those yep. were all the the press conferences that are kind of 
that were shown on TV. Yeah. There was, I, you know, covering him as a young reporter, uh, he and I butted heads a couple of times just because I was, I'm not saying I was trying to make a name for myself, but I'm just trying to, you know, stand in there and ask questions. And mm-hmm. I, my questions tend to be to the point. And, and there was one day where, so this was a little bit later in our relationship, and I, I can't remember the exact year. I want to say 02 or 03, because those are the years we had Tino Martinez in St. Louis. But Tino uh, got hit by a pitch from Miguel Batista of the Diamondbacks. And Batista hit him with a pitch, and Tony goes to, or Tony, Tino goes to first base, and halfway to first, she decides, nah, I'm going to charge him. So he turns left and charges the pitcher, and the pitcher had a new ball at that point and threw it at Tino. And Tino ducked, and then they fought, and the whole thing, everybody, everything went haywire, people got ejected, and et cetera. So at the end of the game, we're all standing around Tony, and this is down in the in the clubhouse, outside the clubhouse. This is before they did the big press conference. Mm-hmm. And everyone's standing there, and I thought, well... I'll fall on the sword here. <laughs> I'll take the hit. Uh-huh. So I said, Tony, what did the umpires say to you? What happened with Batista and Tino? And 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 why? Did, you know, what did they say about the ejections? And he stares a hole through me, and he goes, "You know what? I'm really disappointed. I'm really disappointed. We just played a two-one ball game, and you're going to ask me about that BS." Mm-hmm. And he didn't say BS. And he said, "Are we going to talk BS or baseball, Tom?" And I'm like, "Well, I, yeah, I just, I just wanted to know. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we, I, I love talking baseball." And he's like, "Well, the reason, blah, blah." And he explains, you know, the umpires. He's like, "Can we talk baseball now?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." <laughs> I mean, he is so mad. Yeah. So he he finishes a very short press conference, and everybody's staring at me, and I'm like, "I don't know. I just that that was like the biggest story of the game. I don't right. know what to do." So I go in. I wait and I go into the office, his office. I'm like, I gotta go in there now. I mean, he is steaming, but I gotta give it a little time. Mm-hmm. So I walk into Tony's office and and he always welcomed me in there. But I walk in and he's at his desk looking at something, and he looks up and sees me. And I said, "Are you mad at me?" And he goes, "No." He said, "The first I knew that 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 question was coming." And so basically the first person who asked it was going to get it. And it was you. And it was you. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I understand now. Uh-huh. I get it. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. There's, he, there's gamesmanship to a lot of that. I, I started to uh, get him a little more. And mm-hmm. I just think that he was so good with me. I think all of our managers have completely different personalities. La Russa mm-hmm. was very intense, but also very experienced and could back it up. Mike Matheny was very guarded, and up until the end, when he gave me that interview the day after he was fired, he told me he was still guarded. Mm-hmm. I think that he'll improve in that way, the Royals. And then Mike Schilt, who's coming up here in a few minutes, you know, he's got that laid-back uh, personality and very welcoming. But you know, you got to be careful sometimes. It, don't don't uh, don't cross Mike Schilt. I mean, yeah. he's he knows his stuff too. He's good with the media, but you know, he wants you to be respectful also. I just think Brian, you look at that position. Is there a position in sports that has more pressure than, you know, the manager or coach of a team where there's such a massive fan base? I don't want to put the Cardinals above because the Yankees are huge, the Packers, Notre Dame football, et cetera. But Mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about? And the thing about baseball is it's every day, and there are so many decisions. 
that can be made during the course of a game. I mean, there are a lot of decisions. Every play you call in football is a decision, of course. But in baseball, it, it's you know a pitching change from pitch to pitch. Should you leave the guy in? Should you take the guy out? Should you use a, use a pinch hitter here? You know, put a lefty, put in a righty. So many decisions that are made during the course of a game every day that I could see were on both sides. You know, the manager probably gets tired of dealing with it. And uh, but you always have questions that you can you can come up with and challenge them on. You can, and I, I think that I've been uh, I, I've really respected through the years coaches, players too, but coaches who have to do the same media sessions over and over and over. Mm-hmm. They can't possibly look forward to those. I think there are some people they they enjoy talking to maybe um, from time to time, but every I'll ask Mike Schild about it coming yeah. up here in a few minutes about how. He handles the media. You got what he's time for there. a quick story? Yeah, yeah. So I was doing the Royals pre and post game show when Hal McCray had his famous explosion. Oh which man, was voted that's number right. One I was going to ask you on that. ESPN. Uh, the, the you know the the I don't know greatest managerial or coach explosions, and it's number one. Yeah. And my tape recorder was either the first or second th- thing thrown. Wow! So you yeah. that's right. You told yeah. me that you were in the room. He threw the no, phone. I was actually in the press box. Okay, so but my recorder was in the your room. Recorder was in recorder. The- he threw the phone. He threw the phone, and then he threw my tape recorder. It was a, like a $60 Radio Shack, <laughs> and it still works. <laughs> yes. That thing is, you could yeah. sell that. Well, actually, what happened? It's Hal got a, it's got a threw hole this. in it. It's got a crack in it. And a friend of mine who lives in Kansas City, who was actually the reporter at the time, is still friends with Hal. And he, I asked him, I said, do you think he'd autograph that? Sure he would. So he told him, he said, I got the recorder you threw, and he wants it autographed. And he said, Hal just loved it. Just laughed as crazy. That and is said, awesome. Oh, of course I'll autograph it. Now I'm waiting to get it back. Uh, <laughs> but I he's ha- got it, and I'm going to have Hal McCray's autographed uh, tape recorder there. I have Bob Knight's broken golf club. Really? Broke, he broke, I caddied for him in high school. That's another story because we have to get to Mike Schultz. But I'll tell that story. Maybe I'll tell it next week. But I caddied for him when I was in high school. He got mad. He broke his golf club, and I have it. Nah, I should wow. have to sign it. That gives me confidence. Yeah, I'm, going, go. I'm circling back. For sure. We'll take a break. Thank you, BK. We'll take a break, and Mike Schilt is next. The following is a special presentation of sports on a Sunday morning. Welcome to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. We welcome in the Cardinals manager. It's good to be along with you, sir. How are you today? Doing fantastic, Tom. How about yourself? I am doing great. It is great to be along with you as always. And uh, we are going to talk some baseball today, that's for sure. We'll talk about your players. And uh, I continue to cross my fingers for 2020. I know that it's complicated and that it is a negotiation and i also know this and you and i did not talk before the show today so we didn't do prep in this way but i do always let the listeners know that i have to be a little careful or maybe you do about what we talk about because it is a negotiation between the major league baseball and they've proposed to the mlbpa this plan i know a lot of it has gotten out in the media but i always kind of put it in in your court and just let you tell your listeners here on your show what you can tell us and uh, just sort of set the stage for how you're feeling uh, moving a little closer. Yeah, very optimistic still. Um, you know, there's no real money in speculation that just gets things sideways. So just important that we work off the facts and, and we work off a place of, um, that we're going to play. And, and that's at least from our staff and players perspective. Um, but the good news is there's, um, 
a more formal plan that's uh, been well thought out, still some I's to be dotted, T's to be crossed, and still, understandably, um, some negotiation uh, with the players and the ownership about figuring out what makes sense for everybody to get back involved. And, and you know, clearly everybody's going to have to make a sacrifice people already have and um, what that looks like ultimately they'll allow us to get back on the field. I'm sure you'd like to get it done as soon as possible, and but then at the same time, also the understanding that it is a business, and like you said, negotiations are what they are. I mean, it's uh, you probably knew this before all of that, all the discussion happened, and I know you told us it was weeks and weeks of planning for Major League Baseball that once you get it in the hands of the Players Association, it does require some patience, doesn't it? It just does. You know, there's so many tears to it not only in the initial, and I've been a, a part of it, a smaller part of it, but I have been able to be um, up to speed to some degree, not with everything, and that's that's cool, um, with the planning and the thinking about not only off the field, clearly there's going to be a lot of different things that will uh, impact what what our day will look like when we get back to resuming play, and they're still trying to figure out, you know, how the dynamics of that work. We all are, right? I mean, that's a um, – exclusive to major league baseball that's just that's just our new reality in our society and our world but um trying to figure out what that looks like to make sure we can not only get back to play safely but, but stay safe and be able to continue you know play our games uh you know god forbid you know this this reaches our clubhouses so um being a part of that and just the actual baseball side of it what makes sense how long spring training um games uh, just a lot of different variables there so there's just so many different plans. And then, of course, the economic side of it, um, which is super real, and figuring out what that looks like from an individual game standpoint, a, a playoff standpoint. And then once you get to that point, being able to present it to the players. Uh, and so a lot of work, effort, energy, I, I know, went into that. Um, and then now, of course, you know, it's a it's an opportunity for, for both sides to look at it and figure out what makes sense and, there's some real concerns on the players' side, which I understand, and and uh, you know, look, we'll just we'll just cross our fingers and, and hope that um, both sides can come up to something that makes sense from a from a health standpoint, which I know is at the forefront of everybody's mind, and then from an economic standpoint, which is which is you know, it's a business. I would imagine that the best thing that you can do right now is to be there for your guys and answer any questions they might have, right, and just sort of be be a great communicator is the best thing that you can yeah, do. Yeah, that, that, that's right. I mean, look, you know, all the things I've just got through talking about, really, I don't have any um, any real responsibility of being able to execute outside of getting some and providing some guidance and, and hopefully some wisdom to it. But but ultimately, my, my area is the field and um, the baseball, which I love, and it's great. And very blessed to have that opportunity. So really, to your point, really just making sure that, we as a staff, our players, everyone's just working together and thinking about what the baseball side of it looks like and how that individually can take place for guys as we lead into a spring training, uh, potentially sooner rather than later, and then taking that individual approach into a collective approach based on the parameters that'll that'll be in place once we get started that are still a work in progress. Having more players and having more depth and having a DH actually sounds kind of fun to me. I, and I was like anti-DH my entire life. Like I am a National League guy. I just, I like the pitcher hitting. I like the strategy. I always looked at the AL as being, I'm sorry, because I know you grew up an O's fan, but I always looked at the AL as kind of being inferior because they had this guy that 
stood in the lineup and batted and didn't do anything else. I just, as a kid, I didn't quite get that. Now I just sort of like, I understand if it ends up being the DH universal, it's inevitable. And if that's what it takes to play ball, I'm, I'm in, I'm okay with that. And I, I kind of feel, you know, how do you feel? Yeah, that's a concession that clearly will make get playing again. It's not one that, um, you know, I raised my hand for, um, You know, the national game is such a better game. You know, there's so much more strategy, versatility to player, um, and just a, just a lot of different um, strategies that goes into it that, that really make it such a wonderful game. Not the American game can be wonderful. The game itself is as special as we know, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, it just requires a lot of different things to a lot of moving parts in a national league game that, that have some domino effects and, um and it's just a just a great game. But if that's what it takes to get us playing baseball again and and getting back on the field, then then so be it. I wrote on KMOX.com, They asked me if I would come up with candidates that would make good DHs on the Cardinals. I'm like, hmm, okay. So I looked at the roster. Can can I throw some names at you? You don't have to comment on DH if you don't want to, but just can maybe give us an update or your feelings on these players. Would that be okay with you if I gave you my top five? You can give me your top five all you want, Tom. Go ahead, my brother. <laughs> all right. So I put number one, I said, this one's obvious to me. I said Matt Carpenter because I think that he has I – st- I still think he has magic left in his bat. And the more at-bats that he gets, I think the better. Uh, what do you think about Matt Carpenter moving forward? Hey, um, you know, look, it's, it's going to be – I'm not a big – until something happens, I mean – I won't misrepresent that I haven't thought about it. Right. Um, I was actually talking to Michelle about it the other day. Um, but until something actually happens as far as the DH, I'm not going to spend a ton of mental energy right. um, talking about it or discussing it. But, you know, I mean, clearly Carp would be a guy that's got a great bat that would, would has, you know, in, in an interleague play um, DH in the past and, you know, definitely a candidate. I like that he can play a lot of positions, too. He could play first base if he needed, which brings me to two and three on the list. So I had Ron Hell Ravello, two, and Paul Goldschmidt, three, and I'll explain. Because Ravello is a first baseman but won't play there a lot because of Goldschmidt. But if if that elbow soreness came back to Goldie, it wouldn't be such a bad thing to have Goldie taking a day off here and there and still appearing in your lineup. But I, I guess I want to ask you more about Ravello and how he's come into rounded into form. That guy can flat out hit Mike Schilt. I really like him. Don't you? Yeah. Professional hitter has been, you know, kind of in the Jose Martinez mole. I don't like to compare guys, but yeah. um, there are some similarities there that, that are just real. And um, yeah, you know, Ravi's a, Ravi's a big good option for that. You know, has a couple positions he can play, but, um, especially against the lefties, you know, that'd be a, that could be a spot to get him some at-bats for sure. And I mentioned Goldie just because for folks that don't know that elbow soreness was more when he was throwing, not when he was batting. And then four and five, I had Tyler O'Neill and Lane Thomas. And I just picked those two because I, I just think your outfield situation is very interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that Fowler and, and Bader start and that left field's a competition, but I guess just in general, my question is, are you still as excited about your outfield depth moving forward? And I'm, there are some names we're probably leaving out. They're not just those five, but you have, you have quite a competition still brewing. Yeah, no, I mean, we had a great spring for, for competition. We love competition. 
um, brings out the best in people typically. And, um, you know, the depth in the outfield is, is great. You know, you mentioned Dexter. And, of course, you got Harrison had a nice spring. O'Neal had a solid spring. Um, Wayne Thomas, what you know, kind of a quiet guy that just kind of goes about playing and playing well. You know, had a had a had a solid spring, and um, so those guys getting an opportunity. And of course, you know, knocking on the door. But there is some people in front of them. Just based on experience, is, is our man Dylan Carlson, and um, had a good spring as well. So a lot of a lot of competition. You could see on a given day if the DH is coming into play, then um, those guys having an opportunity to grab some bats as well. Mike Schilt is the Cardinals manager. He is with us. We're going to take a quick break. It's 1028. We'll come back, talk some more ball with him on a Sunday morning. He is with us every Sunday morning, the Mike Schilt Show. I'm Tom Ackerman, back in a moment on KMOX. Now, back to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Tom Ackerman back with you. It's 1032. Always a treat to have live the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, the NL Manager of the Year in 2019, NL Central Champion, and that would be Mike Schilt. Mike, it's 2020. We're sort of waiting to see if something will come to fruition and waiting patiently. And if it does, it does seem like you're going to have more players that you'll be able to work with, more depth. And I would say that that is advantage Cardinals in the area of pitching for sure. I mean, I, I felt like a lot of the pitchers that you had to uh, send out of camp uh, could pitch in the big leagues. I, I think it was John Brebbia, and I remember one other member of your staff said, I think that we could field two major league rotations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, old saying you can't have enough pitching, and, and we do have depth for sure. And, um, you know, the expansion of the roster will still be decided. I'm pretty confident it'll happen. Um, what that number looks like, I'm unsure. But being able to carry extra pitches is going to be important, you know, for uh, guys still getting built up and, and making sure we're taking care of the players' health, you know, because we're going to ramp up fairly quickly in an abbreviated spring training scenario with probably not a whole lot of actual games against another competition. But, you know, it's advantage Cardinals for sure in the sense that we've got a lot of quality arms and, I was talking to Wayne the other day about, we we're just talking about, um, he brought up Wayne Ketch and the rotation. And, and I said, you know, we had a, such a great competition going in spring training for, for those spots. Um, you know, when Miles, and now Miles is looking like he's going to be able to be healthy and come back. And he said, the great thing about, you know, having pitching, you know, quality pitches, you can put it anywhere. And, um, you know, that's the, that's as well sums it up very well, and, and it's so true. You know, we're going to have some depth, and we're going to have a couple extra quality arms that are going to be able to help us um, regardless of situation. Yeah, you're right about that, and so is he. He's been throwing with KK. There's one of those who's been competing for the rotation. Well, let's go back to Michaelis for a minute. That was going to be my next question. What is what is the latest on him? That is, It's encouraging to know that that he had a little extra time to heal, and I know he's down in Jupiter, Mike. Yeah, he's in Jupiter, and, um, you know, based on our facility, we can have um, essentialness open for our um, for the complex from a medical standpoint. So Miles has been able to, to get his treatments in and play catch, and now he's starting to throw uh, bullpens and ramp up the intensity of his bullpens and, you know, recover well. And, you know, he was looking to miss about a, the first month of the season, so that would have taken him, taken him to, you know, end of April, early May type scenario where he'd come back and pitch in games and, Clearly, we're we're getting past that, so he's in a good spot and recovering well, and and optimistic about being able to start clean and and be able to get in that rotation. 
He went 18 and 4 in 2018, had some dynamite numbers. And then in 2019, he takes a step back in statistics, but still, it's the first playoff game that the Cardinals had had since 2015. And who do you roll out there as your first starter in Atlanta? Miles Michaelis. Tells you what you think about him. Yeah, just felt like he pitched really well at the end of the year. Um, you know, based on the way the season ended, um, you know, we had a couple different options. Uh, clearly, he was one of them um, for take that game one and give guys proper amount of rest. And like I said, he'd thrown really well towards the end of the year and was back in that real attack mode and uh, consistently executing quality pitches. And he rewarded everybody with the really quality game one start against the Braves and then another uh, quality game one start against Washington. I'm still smiling when I think of how Wayno finished the year. Man, I mean, just bearing down and pitching like a champion. And even that last spring training game, which was an eerie day in Jupiter, he his curveball was money that day, that Thursday, right before we had to break camp. Yeah, just pure filthy. You know, just uh, as good a curveball as, as he's thrown in his career, which we know has been a lot of memorable uh, cardinal moments off that curveball. And so he feels great. And talking to the other day on a, on a Zoom call, you know, he said this is towards the end of that last game is as good as he's felt in years. So um, he's feeling good and optimistic about getting cranked up and, and ready, to, ready to pitch again. And then you have your young guys, Jack and Dakota, and Jack put together a historic second half of 2019. Hudson, uh, his walks were getting up there, Mike, but I think there were some signs in spring training that Dakota, uh, we all know, has a big future ahead of him, but he looked really good to me. Yeah, you know, Dakota um, won 16 games for us last year, and it's like the biggest secret in um, in baseball, at least in our area, um, for the most part. He had a nice year. You know, I don't I, – he got off to a slower start, and, you know, he, he um, you know, was figuring out like Jack did the year before, had a, had a finish a little bit and a first experience going through an extra month of the season in, in a playoff race. Um, and that's experience that's, you know, you just, you can't just get anywhere. You have to live it. Um, and Dakota was better for it, for sure. Um, but this guy had a really solid year. You mentioned the walks is definitely something that, um, you know, just getting him with this stuff so darn good. Um, it's got so much movement. And when he's at his best, which he was, um, you know, a good portion, especially the the middle of the season. You know, just a lot of quick outs and lower pitch counts, and um, but he also is able to work on some different sequences in this spring and using things in a different manner that um, really was impressive. And and just I thought he had a good spring and ready to have a great season. It's said that, and this doesn't apply to everybody, or maybe it does, that it takes three, four, sometimes five years to learn how to pitch in the big leagues. It, Effectively, do you agree with that? And what does that generally entail for somebody? Yeah, I hate to put a number on, but you're right. And some guys, you know, are a little bit more weight bloomers. Um, but I appreciate the model that, that Jack's been able to demonstrate for us. Dakota's showing signs of, and that's the ability to get that opportunity. Because you know, we can't be as a patient in our game as we would like some sometimes. Um, you know, especially in our organization where the expectations are high to win every year and compete and win championships, which we embrace and, and, uh, and, and, you know, seek that being said, you know, you can't sit around and wait for a guy to develop at the big league level. So, um, the plan I'm talking about or the approach that Jack has had, or Dakota's had and some of our young position players, well, the young 
they just continue to learn from their experience. They learn from other people's experience as well, and it accelerates their developmental curve at the highest level, which is very impressive. But you're talking about guys with a, you know, really strong physical abilities that are sincere about developing their emotional abilities and their comprehension of the game. That's effectively what it is, right, Tom? You just figure out, you know, how to use the experiences you have and how to how to move forward. Because, and I've said this, you know, to to guys you know, the triple-A level, and don't have to stay as much at the big league level as they kind of know it, but, you know, some guys at triple-A, they get stuck there because they haven't really evolved in how they understand how to play the game. They're not taking advantage of their experience, other people's experiences. They just don't see the game as well or as quickly, and that's the big separator because I, I, you know, nicely encourage guys to say, hey, look, you know, you're probably not going to hurt throwing any harder. You're not going to run any faster. You're not going to hit any further. My point being is your skill set probably not going to increase. It may plateau, and you're going to get to a certain point where it decreases. And then what are you going to be able to do? What are you going to hang your hat on? How are you going to use your skill set um, to be able to help compete and win baseball games? And, you know, Jack's been able to figure that out and morph into a complete pitcher. You saw that last year when we put it all together, dominated. Dakota, similar deal. So, um, you know, of course, you get some help with the oddies of the world being behind the plate to help them, but you know, those guys are the ones that have to execute the pitches and, and buy along with the program. So, um, you know, that's, that's part of it. And, you know, acceleration of people's development and get the best out of them is really ultimately what our jobs are. And finally, when you look at that last spot in the rotation and the competition, we, we've talked a lot about KK, and there's, there's a lot to like. He has great look on his pitches. and I love that he works fast. That's fun. But you also have Austin Gomber. You can't, of course, leave him out as good as he is. And then Daniel Ponce de Leon, he's 28 years old. He looks like a big league starter. He, he really does, doesn't he? He had, a, he had a really, really good spring. Yeah, I mean, don't forget our man Carlos. Now. Oh, yeah. Uh, of course, and and we're I, I'm I'm saving him for last, but I mean the competition. I mean that competition right. that we were talking about with KK. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, you got KK came in, um, completely foreign to the organization, literally and figuratively, and um, came and did great. Um, you know, professional way he went about things. You can tell this is a guy that had a lot of um, strong international competition, and also. Um, has been able to, to compete at the high level over in Korea. And so he came in, had a great camp, flexible guy, really the guy who just wants to pitch and help the club, which is all these guys. And you mentioned Ponce. Ponce was tremendous. I mean, Ponce, there's not a lot of secret to Ponce, really. He's got he's got a couple of elite pitches. Um, just a matter of being in the zone. We've talked about this um, before. You know, Ponce is in the zone. It's not necessarily making – it is about making quality pitches and quality strikes. But with Ponce's stuff and the ability to sequence his stuff, if he can just be in the zone consistently with his pitches, um, he's going to have success. And, and he proved that this spring by having a almost, you could say, dominating spring training. And then uh, Gomber, good to see him back from last year's issues with his shoulder and um, got through the spring and was able to, to show consistency with his command as well, breaking ball as tight as ever, um, able to locate and command his fastball better, which set up his curveball, and um, he's a little change up there to, to keep people off balance. So, just did a nice job overall. And, um, you're right; there's a lot of a lot of quality options there. It really, really is. And then back to Carlos. I, he is one of the most talented players on your team. I think that it's been proven in 
parts of his career as an ace on the staff, also as a closer, that he can do both. Just looking at Carlos Martinez moving forward, still only 28 years old. This is someone who set up uh, for the Cardinals, pitched the eighth inning of the World Series. Now, he's been in some high-leverage situations. I think it's circling back to Carlos. What's the biggest uh, thing for him? Health? Uh, yeah, health. And we got to keep Carlos on the mound and, and um, you know, his stamina with his health. You know, it's kind of kind of be on that deal, just making sure that he's able to continue to work, which he has. He came into camp in great shape. He went about camp as professional as anybody in camp, which is saying something because we have a, a ton of high professional, high character, um, high standard players that, that go about it the right way. But Carlos, regardless of what it was, PFT, bunt plays, um, his bullpens, he was, he was locked in the whole time. And, like you say, uber-talented guy, a lot of successes, a lot of different roles, two-time All-Star um, in a starting position role and has clearly pitched out of the bullpen for us effectively as well. Um, had him since 2012, way back in the Texas League um, when he was just a, just a young and always had electric stuff and special talent, really good athlete, um, has has more aptitude than many people will give him credit for. He knows what he's doing on the mound. He's got some intelligence to him. Um you know, just a matter of, like you say, him staying healthy and him having the stamina to be able to, to carry the innings that, that's required for us, what we'd like for our starters. And he was able to demonstrate that. He got built up. His stuff stayed the same um, as he started to progress and grab more innings in spring training. And, and, of course, we had an abruption. But seems to be having a good corona break as far as his workouts go and his throwing goes. And he comes back and is able to, to maintain what he was able to do and build off of it and still have some – life to what he's doing and be able to recover well after throwing five, six, seven innings or, or more if he's efficient with his pitch count, um, you know, definitely going to be a big bolster to our uh, to our very good starting rotation. I could go on and on about pitching, Zach Thompson, Jake Woodford, et cetera. I mean, you, got, you have some big ones. I, I'm going to have to take a break here, but maybe we can circle back and talk pitching another time. We'll, we'll come back. I really appreciate uh, the descriptions of these pitchers. It, it's so much fun to talk some ball again. Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, is with us. It's 1045. Quick break. We'll come back for a short final segment right after this. Now, back to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to the show. Mike Schilt for a little while longer. And then we're going to hear from Chris Blair, the general manager of Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway at 1105. NASCAR returns today. There's a Cup Series race today at Darlington. No fans, but it starts at 2.30 on Fox 2 if you want to see it. Also, we have John Mosellock, the Cardinals president of baseball operations at 11.30. And a little bit of my garage happy hour with Ozzie Smith. We'll play some clips of that at 11.45. Garage happy hour, Mike. I, I basically uh, put my phone on a tripod, I open up a beer or have a cocktail, and I interview people. It's kind of fun. Maybe, maybe we'll have to have you do one at some point. What a gig, Tom. <laughs> it's not bad. In my garage. Dude, I yeah. hear you, brother. Yeah, it's not bad I at all. Want you in the house, sir. Huh? Wife won't get you in the house? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it started, I was just like engaging people on Twitter. And then I started doing this happy hour and, and 
people on at KMOX said, what if we had you do it out of your garage? And Overhead Door Company it. of St. Louis sponsors it, and they they it. bought the sponsorship, and it's been fun. So we had Chris Pronger, the Hall of Famer, and we had Ozzy Smith on Thursday. Ozzy was awesome. Uh, we, yeah, uh, Ozzy's great. Pronger's a stud, too. He is. He's so good. We had Kenny Wallace. Speaking of NASCAR, we had uh, Kurt Hunziker, the former president of the St. Louis Battlehawks of the XFL. It's been, it's been a fun little run. Uh, Mike, just a, a few more things left. Uh, we, we talked about pitching last segment. I wanted to ask you about a couple. I mean, I could ask you for injury updates all day long, but one that, a couple that stuck in my mind. One is Kyle McClellan and I did that game on Wednesday at Port St. Lucie right at the end of spring training when Brett Cecil was trying to cover first and then his hamstring, uh, I guess popped on him. How are, how is he doing that? Uh, that was a tough one because he looked good right before that. Yeah, you know, he's starting to get back to some more of the Cecil that we expected, that he expects, and um, clearly set back on covering first. And, you know, got him pretty good. And the, good, the, the positive news about this for, for guys like Michaelis and Cecil is they've been given time, and he's been able to get into the complex down in Jupiter and get his treatment and be taken care of. And he's um, definitely in a much better place, strength's better, and um, he's, getting, he's getting back to baseball activity. So, you know, relative to the timing of this, he should – he can potentially be on schedule with everybody else in a normal set. And then there's this guy. Hicks working from the third base side of the rubber. And the 2-0 pitch to McNeil. Grounded to the right side. Wong has it going to his left. On to first base, and the Cardinals win it. Jordan Hicks picks up the save, his 14th. Martinez the winner, and the Cardinals come back at City Field in New York and win 5-4 to four in extra innings. That was a great game. It's always good to hear Jordan Hicks pitching. What's the latest on the Cardinals' fireballer? Doing really well. Um, you know, taking it rightfully slow and um, in the progression that he should be. But he's feeling good. He looks good. Um, I really have been pleased, not surprised, but pleased um, with Jordan's diligence to um, his his rehab program. He's he's been very dedicated, um, you know, on the field, off the field, diet, the whole shooting match. So he's he's really he's right on track, you know. And the track is still to be determined as far as um, you know getting back to playing. Clearly, with a smaller chance of a minor league season starting, you know, that would impact a little bit of a Jordan being able to to get ready in a in a highly competitive setting. But we'll see what that looks like um, when we return to play. But you know, he's been able to get off the mound, have inside, been able to recover um, pretty consistently. You know, anytime you have that surgery or pretty much anytime you have that surgery, there's going to be some um, recovery issues that are that are just normal. Um, but he's, he's been on the higher spectrum of being able to recover well and, and, and stay on his program. So he's optimistic, feeling good, uh, and just in a, in a good place overall, which is Make sure we continue to take it slow and appropriately to how he feels and, and um, getting back whenever makes sense for, for everybody. That's good to hear. Uh, Mike Schilt is with us for just a few more minutes. We are going to play at noon today, Game 7 of the 2011 World Series. We're replaying that one more time for people that didn't catch it last week. And then we're switching over tomorrow to your club. We're going to play this week your four-game sweep at Wrigley Field. That was, of all the great moments in 2019, one that really locked it up, the NL Central, where the Cubs could have dented you. They could not. You were able to survive that first game. Carpenter hit the home run, and you hung on for a 5-4 win on September 19th. You won the second game 
2-1 to one on September 20th. And then the Saturday game that I drove up to Chicago to watch. I wanted to capture some magic, and did I ever. Ninth inning. Pitches. Molina hits it high and deep. Left center field. Back to the track. The wall. Goner. Tie game in the ninth. One pitch from Kimbrell, and Molina ties the game. Unbelievable. 8-8 at Wrigley Field. Next batter, Paul DeYoung. A swing and a long one. Home run, Paul DeYoung. Left center field. Back-to-back Jack. The Cardinals have taken the lead in the ninth. Craig Kimbrell is serving up batting practice. Well, then then the Cardinals end up sweeping the series on the 22nd. They hang on for another dramatic win. Paul Goldschmidt had an RBI double, and the Cardinals won that one 3-2. A four-game sweep. That Saturday game, you were so calm and cool in your office afterwards, but I know that clubhouse was revved up after that Saturday win. That was a wild weekend. Wild four-game series, wild weekend. That was a wild game. I get goosebumps hearing it. Um, you know, you go in there in a competitive race in September and win four in a row, um, which is almost uh, historical. I haven't been done in Chicago in, I guess, over 100 years. And, um, yeah, the guy just got after it. And there was uh, – that was literally the four games. with There was not a pitch in that whole series that anybody could take off. The whole series in every game hung in the balance on every pitch. It was it's what it's all about, great environment two really good teams competing against each other, and, and we are able to execute and, and uh, take four. We are going to play those games in their entirety this week. So we'll play them on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Wednesday we do a special show about 2011, and then we follow it with a show called Redbird Social where we uh, just talk some ball and have a roundtable baseball discussion. But Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday we're going to play all four of those games in their entirety. And the other thing I remember was that you made the playoffs uh, on that last day, but you were all focused. Uh, There was a champagne toast, right? But you said, we have more work to do, and you were set out to win that division. Yeah, we won the the wild card, clinched the playoff spot, which, you know, had been four years and a lot of hard work and energy gone into that. And a lot of those guys in that clubhouse had been there that time, and we're, we're, you know, with high expectations, excited about getting back officially to the playoffs and, um, you know, kind of torn about what to do. You know, we could have rightfully done a, um, you know, celebration of champagne and um, in the clubhouse and, and gotten kind of wild. And, and um, but, we, you know what, we, we just are focused on winning the division, you know, and that was our one of our team goals as, as it is every year. Um, so we just want to make sure we acknowledge it. We want to make sure we celebrate. We don't want to minimize it all because it's still a great accomplishment you know, getting the playoffs. Uh, and we just want to make sure we had a toast, appreciated everybody for what they have done, and, and um, but have our mindset on moving forward win the division. What an incredible series that was. All those games will air this week at 6.15, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Cards sweeping the Cubs and four at Wrigley. Mike, thanks so much for the visit. We appreciate it. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Tom. Have a blessed day. You too. There's Cardinals manager Mike Schilt with us, the Mike Schilt Show. We'll be back with more after the 11 o'clock news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.